Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria... You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. We're here. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that's never been to Stonehenge. However, I guess we could say we certainly have been, well... Never mind. This is Hysteria 51. Come be a Pluton's man, playing to the tide. <laughs> exactly, Seabot. Uh, also, thanks for using that clip. A little bit of a nod to me. Don't get emotional. Was just the only clip I had available. <laughs> That figures. We are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. My name is John Goforth, and sitting alongside virtually, please welcome my co-host, the the smooth as pudding tones of Mr. Brent Hand. Uh-huh, thanks, John. I got to say, I'm sort of proud of, well, my pudding tones, number one. I just, <laughs> I hope when you think of me, you think of pudding tones. Mm. Pudding tones, yeah. Mm. Um, that's yeah, that's what we're going to put on your tombstone. I'd rather people think about me than Cosby when they think of pudding, so I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> I am sort of proud of Seabot playing a little Grateful Dead there, though, so kudos there. Yeah, me too. I was a bit surprised as well. Uh, I mean, Barf, I take it back. There it is. Now things are right in the world again. <laughs> anyway, Brent, let's not delay getting into the t- topic too much tonight. It's a really, really good one, but since he brought it up, I have a question. We don't we, we talk about new pop culture fairly often, and if we talk about old pop culture, it's generally the eighties or nineties. What is your favorite band from that era, the sixties, seventies, you know, the, the Grateful Dead's era? Oh man, I gotta tell you, there's only one band. When you th- well, I shouldn't say this. I know everyone's gonna have their own opinion, but when you look at bands and you have to pick one from that time period that really encompasses everything great about music, I gotta go with the monkeys. Uh <laughs> That no. Davy Jones, he just had something going on. Uh, I'll, I'll take aside. 
I mean, I, I'll give you a cliched answer, which is Led Zeppelin, because they were incredible. You know, you can't yeah, really sure. go, go wrong when you think 60s and 70s. Well, all the answers are going to be cliched to it to one extent or another, because the way the you have to be that good of a band to still have people, you know, I don't know, 60, 50, 60 years later talking right, about you. Right, exactly. So and another band that was in that time period that I'm a, a huge fan of is Heart. And if you saw Heart's cover of Stairway to Heaven, they did at the, I think it was the Kennedy Center Honors a few years ago. Holy crap. Um, I think Hart doesn't get the the recognition that they should get. Um, Anna and Nancy Hart, they're just fantastic musicians. So that's who I'm going with. What do you, what do you, what's your pick? Now, I okay, Hart, fair enough. I was, I was never much into them. Um, I'm not a sexist. But I do have to admit that I... Well, your grandfather was killed by a barracuda, so there is that. (laughs) That's my problem, man. (laughs) I do have to admit that I tend to lean towards bands that have uh, male frontmen uh, versus versus female lead singers. I just, I don't tend to like them as much. It's not that I have a problem with there being a female lead singer. It's just that of the the totality of the music that I've heard led by bands with with female lead singers, it's just, I tend to like less of it. Janis Joplin being a, a strong exception to that. And, you know, there's a few others. I'm not a Janis Joplin fan. My, lo- yeah. my wife loves her. I just, I don't like her voice I, for some well, reason. I, I understand. I And I think, you know, I think this is a fair, this time period is also fairly easy to find bands that you, that other people love and you hate. I, I mean, we've talked about it on the show before, but speaking of bands that have female lead singers or female singers, um, uh, Fleetwood Mac, man, uh, Stevie Nicks does not do it for me. I, I, I hate Fleetwood Mac. Uh, almost as much as I hate the Eagles, but uh, I, I won't beat that dead horse. So when her and Don Henley were making music together, you were just fucking gagging yourself to death, right? Oh, I, I mean, in I, a closet I, with that a, just sounds like like in John's little hanging. version of Hell. Uh, in John's ver- little version of Hell, it's just uh, it's just those two playing music to me all day and night, <laughs> just singing leather and lace over and over and over on repeat, <laughs> right outside of Hotel California. That's beautiful. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, um. All right, so my fa- you know, listen, I p- picking favorites is is tough, and you know, you can always make the argument. Well, do you want a jam band like the Grateful Dead, or do you want to, you know, what at the time was considered hard rock, or even closer to heavy metal in Led Zeppelin? You know, and those are how could you pick between Grateful Dead and Led Zeppelin when they're so different? But that said, um, I think my two favorite or the two that I listen to most often from that era. Uh, I do have to pick two would be the Beatles, which is you know, I, I get it, that's the chalk answer, but it. It's the chalk answer for a reason. They're that good. The Beatles is to Kevin what Eagles are to you. Uh, Kevin Crispin, you know, he just hates the Beatles. He hates them. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> he, You know what? He He's done enough podcasts. Uh, he should start a Beatles podcast. No doubt, right? And anyway, uh, my other is definitely Pink Floyd. Um, yeah. Not yeah. only do I love Pink Floyd, and I have loved Pink Floyd since my dad turned me on to them. In the early 90s, he gave me his copy of Pulse. That, With the uh, battery blinking uh, light yes. in the corner, I remember. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you if you haven't been listening to the show long, Brent and I have known each other for most of our lives. And, 30, uh, 40 it, minutes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, uh, you know, uh, Brent would come over to my house, and this is probably when we were, what, 12 years old or something, and uh, my dad had given me this copy of Pulse, and it had a little uh, battery battery. Uh, or I'm sorry, a little watch battery in it and that had a little, you know, just blinking LED uh, or whatever. LED, yeah. Probably wasn't exactly. even LED then. I don't even know what the hell they would have, you know. <laughs> Diode. Yeah. And, anyway, um, and, and, and so going back to then, I've, I've always loved Pink Floyd and then uh, kind of a sentimental 
thing. My uh, I had just moved to Chicago and I, d- I didn't have much money, but I decided to like really splurge because my dad had had a tough run of it. Well, some various things had happened and I bought he and I tickets to see Roger Waters do the wall at Wrigley Field. And I splurged and I went for like uh, floor seats, which mm-hmm. were actually on the field. I think they were like 500 a piece. I mean, a thousand dollars to someone who just moved to Chicago and, and isn't really sure where their next paycheck's coming from is a lot of money. But I just, I just, I, for some reason I did it. And uh, we went and we had the best time. It was one of the best nights of my life. Like we just, we both loved the music. Um, um, uh, the, the, a very smoking paraphernalia was being handed around freely on the field at Wrigley, uh, had, had some good beers. It was just a magical night. And, uh, and he said the same thing. And, uh, within the next year or so, my dad passed away uh, unexpectedly. So it was kind of cool to have that, like that really memorable moment. And so if I wasn't already uh, a complete, complete fan of Pink Floyd, it, it certainly got etched in stone there. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Anytime you can have like a memory attached to like a concert or something like that, or, or, or you know, in a, for one reason or another. Music is uniquely uh, suited to do that as well. You know, it, you, you don't necessarily have those same vivid memories and, and guttural reactions to like, uh, we all, we were, we were watching Titanic and then this happened, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot less, uh, music and more chanting, I think is what, uh, <laughs> yes. ties us in this week to this week's <laughs> Druidic topic. chanting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, John, it is prehistoric Lego week on H51. That's the easiest way to break this down, right? <laughs> yeah. And also a uh, surprising topic week. And what I mean by that is when you first suggested Stonehenge, I was like, well, we've, we've done that, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> right. This seems like it would have been like number four, you yeah, know, six. Yeah. And we've had, of course, people have asked for it. And it just seems kind of, I don't know, for me, it was almost kind of too on the nose. Does that make sense? And then, uh, and then so many I people did it. it and I'm like, sense. yeah, we literally did an episode on area 51. That was on the nose. <laughs> yeah. But that was our 51st episode. It just made fucking sense. That's true. That's I mean, true. that was on brand. <laughs> This should have been our 45th, 100th episode. We've done 63 on Bob Lazar alone, so. <laughs> and anyone who listened to it actually thinks that we did seven on the flat earth, but it was only two. Yeah, well, it felt like that. Actually, technically it was years. three. Technically it was three. Yeah, There was the, 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 the lost episode of with me and Joe Peck. Did you finally, speaking of, I, I, I don't remember if we said it on the last episode or if I mentioned it to you, I sent you the Djibouti dubs like, yo, the earth is flat, yo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The uh, uh, Miles Morales Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of here, round earther. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, like I did say, it is prehistoric Lego week this week, and those Legos happen to be in a far off place called the British Isles. Uh, Mm. That's in the far off Mm. land of British. (laughs) Is uh, the proper term, I believe, is what they're where where we have mentioned it before, and we'll mention it again because they keep coming. We have an insane amount of listeners. I know. We were just actually having a, a conversation with um, advertisers, and they were asking about our breakdown. We're like, we actually have a lot of, of Europe. And we can see where you're from, you know, as far as the, you know, as at least where you're listening we're in the world. watching you. And what you're wearing and how you smell. And, yeah, we can see that. And they're <laughs> like, wow, you guys really do. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, this does come to us from the British Isles from long, long ago. Yes. Like 3000 BC in Wiltshire, England. Uh, Wiltshire. 
Uh, yeah, see, I never know if there's a T's or Wilshire. Yeah, like, oh no, I'm, I, you're gonna I, find I out that it's pronounced. Fifty-fifty, I'm right. Yeah, Wilshire, <laughs> Wilshire, England, Wiltshire. In the we're, we're from the Shire. Yeah, no, Wiltshire, England, and uh, some rocks were thrown about, but not just any rocks. These are important because they're big ass rocks. That's why we care. Spoiler alert. And mm. also on top of that, not only are they big ass rocks. They're rocks that didn't exactly belong, and that is why it's so interesting. We're going to get into that, but the short in this week breakdown is these rocks make up a ring of standing stones. It's about 100 rocks in all. And if you haven't seen a picture of Stonehenge, I... The um, fuck is wrong with you? To continue the metaphor, what rock have you been living <laughs> under? But uh, 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 take a moment and go look. Uh, it's 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 the most well known set of rocks in the world, probably. It's the thing that well known lower fourth denizen Clark Griswold rammed into when they were on vacation over there. Uh, mm, yeah, and that's indeed. why you can no longer walk up to them or get close to them or touch them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> also, if you have experience, if if you're in Hysteria Nation, you've certainly seen this, and if you're not, what are you waiting for? But there are wonderful memes that travel around this world. That that uh, allude to the Easter Island guys. Uh, it, it's actually their toes sticking yeah. out. Of the- <laughs> and in in Britain, it's pronounced meme. Just so you know, in Wilshire, Wilshire, Wiltshire, they say meme. I'm pretty sure. Mame. Just start saying that. It'll, you'll sound smarter. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll do my best. <laughs> so, like we were saying, like a hundred rocks and all, all massive, upright. Or should be. A lot of them are laying down, but they should be upright and in a circle layout. And on average, each stone, now this is average, is about 13 feet or 4.0 meters if you eat beans with your breakfast. Uh, I did some research there. You have to do the conversion when it's in their land. Yeah. And they're also about 7 feet wide or 2.1 meters and weigh in an average of 25 tons or tones or whatever the hell they got they, i don't know now that those are the those are the measurements on the larger rocks right well no so there are bigger that's the average of all of them put together that's the average so okay, there are larger they're actually much larger than just that uh i'll break that down here in a little bit but that is your average if you're taking them all into consideration so yeah and you know the let's spend just one second on on the on like the the meta conversation around this topic, so Stonehenge it's a bunch of big rocks that are really old, and there's been debate throughout the years as to how old they are and who put them there. When we were growing up and reading things like the Time Life Mysteries of the Universe and watching things Read like uh, um, Unsolved Mysteries, could it be we all we were all told back then. That druids made these. Yeah, things. fuck that noise. We've learned since then. Which we've learned since. That's not and the case. Gonna, we'll get into but that too. Is, but yeah, you know the, the the question is who who put them there and what are they for? And we'll we'll get to all of that. Spoiler but- alert, John. Everywhere crisscrossing this planet are large stones, and the question is who put them there and what are they for? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's the true. tie that binds on this planet. Although well, the Georgia Guidestones, we know what they're for. I suppose I'll, it's Ted Turner. He put him there. I saw. Yeah, him. he put him there. Yeah, I um, saw. Him. But and, and you know where this ties in. This ties into this ties into uh, ancient um, rites of sacrifice, or people think it, they thought it uh, did, or think it does. Uh, some people think it ties into aliens, but, and the, the conceit there being that uh, there's no way that human beings could have moved these rocks 4,500 years ago. You're right. No human being would stack books like this. 
Anyway, we'll get to all of that, but the point is they I have just wanted been... a cool layout for my dining room. <sighs> and ritual sacrifice, right? Right, Seba? What else are you going to eat? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> At least he's on we'll brand. Get, we'll yeah. get to all of that, but the point is that these rocks have been in the cultural zeitgeist, the term we use too often. Gosh, since I've been alive, I think. Yeah, the yeah, whole time, cool. even like you said, when we were kids, you know, we grew up in that age of the time life, mysteries of the unknown, and Robert Stack preaching and stuff. They've always had that oh feel to them, like you don't really know, but something about them was special, right? At least they always oh, seem yeah. that way to me, and I don't know why. Yeah. Even more than the pyramids to me, this seemed more trippy and I don't know. I don't know why well, you know, that uh, explains people it. Say <laughs> that when they, people say when they visit them or when they get close to them that like the hairs on their arms stand up on People end. say the same thing when they get close to Seabot, so that's not really doing a lot for me. <laughs> or true. a television that's been left on too long. Remember tube TVs? My hair's standing up on its end. It's be damned. It must be spiritual. Why do you think I had a kid? Or a remote? <laughs> Call anyway. me now. Anyway, so yeah, a few thousand years ago, some British peeps wanted to stack some stones. Why do we care, like you're saying? Because in scientific terms, and I, I don't want to use big words, but I'm going to, it's bonkers and makes no sense as far oh, as... Oh, yeah, that was a, that was a good up. assessment. Yeah. Very scientific. And as John, uh, dear listener, has just been saying, the scholars argue to this day over what its purpose was. But most modern scholars now agree that Stonehenge was at least once a burial ground. Now, I'm going to say at least because you're going to find out, much like a shopping mall, there's a lot of turnover in this place. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and they still go back and forth on some key points, though, such as like what its purpose it really was or it served to the people at the time. How civilization without modern technology or even, and get this, this is the one that really drives it home to me. It was built at a time when they didn't have the wheel, they say, could produce something like this. It's hard for me to fathom, though, how someone wouldn't go, a wheel would make this easier, even when there was no wheel. Like, as a kid, you try to make things easier. But I guess, I don't know, you're you're subjected to wheels at an early age? I don't know. You know, I... I watched uh, I watched uh, a few different documentaries for this one, and one uh, I watched was from Naked Science, I believe. Ooh, and um, I can't get past they, the dicks. <laughs> <laughs> and they hate to sound like a broken record. How, <laughs> they talked about how it was pre wheel, and they also showed how it could have been done pre wheel. Uh, and the, this is like what scientists agree is is probably how the the stones were transported, and it basically boils down to. Um, um, round logs and a lot of grease. Yeah, uh, I, they as, always as show so on some of those things. Do. They'll have a guy like with like a twenty-ton stone, and he's moving around with one hand because he's got like a cantilever and some logs and stuff. It's crazy. But the the point is, like, I, I guess we can. This is a semantic debate, but is that really pre-wheel? I mean, those are those are wheels of sorts, aren't they? Well, they're they're. Uh, would you call them round? Yeah, but um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I like. I guess I always think of before the wheel as everything having right angles. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the things you're talking about. This brings up the construction questions like crazy when you, you were thinking about the whole thing. Case in point: the the sandstone slabs of its outer ring come from a local quarry. That's not a big deal. Like you're saying, there's you, you get some of those slabs, you move them around, you get in there. But scientists have traced the blue stones that make up the inner ring. All the way to Priscelli Hills in Wales, or Priscelli, I know, I, I'm probably butchering these names, it's okay. 
You come to Illinois, you're not going to name anything right. Guess what? <laughs> Berlin is not named Berlin, but it's spelled the same here. <laughs> um, uh, now, there are also ways that they could have maybe gotten there on their own, even though they're from somewhere else. We're, we're going to cross a lot of these. Tractor beams from UFOs. Right. Duh. But this place is about 200 miles from where Stonehenge sits on the Salisbury Plain. And remember, now, no wheels. That's a long way to be using those logs to push some things. But... When you really, when you, when your wife really wants one type of decoration, you kind of go out of your way, uh, especially <laughs> when you can make people do it for you. So uh, it's also uh, I, I, we'll get we'll get to the whole Wales connection, but it's worth noting that if it came from Wales, they would they would have also needed to travel over water. Whales have to be in water, or they'll die. They dry out. This is the way. Thank it goes. you, thank you for that. You're welcome. That's why I'm here. I add color <laughs> and and depth. <laughs> I'm a fucking tracer. Anyway, before we get too far into construction and the ooh factor, that's the way I like to call it. Um, the John, woo woo. We were kind of saying this, but when you think of Stonehenge, what is the thing that comes to mind most? What do you think of? Uh, I, I honestly, I, I think it's UFOs. I think really, yeah, yeah. I think there was like there, there must have just been a. We were moment. kind of predisposed to or pre-programmed to think of that kind of right yeah i like like I, there must have been a moment when we were in our i don't know early teens ish early 90s where like stonehenge was on a number of shows and and you know people acted like like fictional shows and you know ufos i i don't know i can't pinpoint where it came from but because of the generation i come from i just I don't think I'm alone in this. Like, like Stonehenge somehow it was an association was made to UFOs. Maybe because they align with certain stars and and all of that. But uh, that's what I think of. Maybe it's just because UFO is the easy go to when we don't really understand things. Also, especially at a yeah. time when you yeah. need ratings. Uh, where were we gonna say it was Mitch? I don't know UFOs. There you go, Mitch. That's why we keep you on the budget. Well, and also also the classic uh, the classic ancient aliens argument, which is. Uh, well, we think any other culture wasn't as smart or as good as us, and so they couldn't have figured this out, so it must have been aliens. Oh, right. The tongue-in-cheek racist uh, Eric Von Danikens of the world. Like, yeah, I'm exactly. I'm not saying, exactly. I'm just saying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, break time. But when we come back, we're going to break down. We're going to actually tell you exactly not only where they come from, the name of the aliens that put them there. That's coming up next on Hysteria 51. Earl and Howard. What did you say? Earl and Howard. That's right. Very interstellar name. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor, and we use it, Rosetta Stone. They're the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. <laughs> I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. <laughs> That's what it, it's like. What are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> 
but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else. Someone, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer. So it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. A today. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Would you have preferred Gleep Glop and Garmax? I always prefer Gleep Glop. Garmax is on my bad side since the incident, so he can go to hell. (laughs) (sighs) Nation, we're back, and we're talking big rocks, we're talking Stonehenge, and we're talking construction. Yeah, okay, so first off, these druids had this giant inflatable rat because this was not a union job. I want you to know that right now. <laughs> and uh, they used scabs uh, is what they called their their early builders to build. No. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, uh, everyone, I hope, knows what I'm talking about when I say that. They had magic wands, Brent, and they were able to um, cast spells that were easily allowed them to pick up the stones and move them. It's pronounced uh, to Merlin and he did it all as we're going to find out, of course. Oh, okay. I, you know, the, the, uh, the, in, in all truth, we, we already said, we, we think, uh, Druids did not build this because it is much older than when the Druids were there in Breton. Well, let's talk this. So we said construction, it's multi-phase construction. Cause this bastard, it took some time. When I say it took some time, Home Depot wasn't quite in the game yet uh, when Oliver and Sebastian decided to build this thing. Who the hell was Oliver and Sebastian? No one in particular. I just threw out some British-sounding names. What would your go-to American names be? I don't know. Kyle and Chuck? That plays. Moving on. That was incredibly stupid. Uh, Archaeologists think that... Hey, hey, hey. Cheese muffins. Cheese muffins. Cheese muffins. Cheese, 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 cheese muffins. Archaeologists think... You woke him up. You shouldn't have done that. You're right. Should not have done that. They think this thing was built in several stages, with the earliest constructed about 5,000 or more years ago. Uh, So you got these Neolithic people using primitive tools and get this probably or or possibly or whatever you want to say. They were made from deer antlers to dig this massive circular ditch or bank or hinge, as they call it. On the Salisbury Plain, and this is kind of where the name Hinge comes from. Is this? That's what they named it. And that's where this right. s- this thing comes from. Dictionary tells us the prehistoric monument consists of circle of stones or wood uprights. Boom! You got a hinge. Yep. Yep. 
a couple notes on that. You mentioned that they think uh, you know it was done. That the tools might have been um, part. Some of the tools might have been like deer antlers. Mm-hmm. That's because they actually found a deer antler under one of the rocks. So that obviously came from uh, that time period. Also worth noting that the, the time period in question you said is multi-phased because we're talking about um, we're talking about it starting like you said like five thousand years ago. Yeah. But then some of the additions and some of the changes happening. A thousand years later, fifteen hundred years later, there's a little bit of an element of the Egyptian pyramids here, where there some historians wonder if the pyramids weren't uh, partially built by even even earlier uh, civilizations and then added onto by the Egyptians. Right. This might have been something similar, where it was it was more than one civilization kind of working on them. It's like when you're working at Auntie Anne's, and it's been seven and a half years, and you finally decide to clean the place, and you move the fry later out, and there's a great stick and potato cup back there, still with a potato in it. It's from a previous generation. They were there, they started building it, and you just added on to it. You see, I brought it back to that mall, that felt, that, that, that mall that, thing there. Did you get that, it? You, you, you felt did it well. You did it well. Uh, Great steak and potato. Remember that? Oh, I do. They they had the uh, the fries that you ate with the um, uh, malt vinegar. Ugh. I'm like, I don't know why I don't like malt vinegar. And everyone, I remember I was on a date one time. <laughs> I told this to Lisa not too long ago. I was on a date one time. I bought fries, and she dumped malt vinegar all over them. I'm like, well, I think this date's done. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that you. It's like deal breaker. <laughs> that was skinny, Brent. Now, if you did it, I'd have beheaded that bitch. <laughs> so, so Brent, uh, what happened with uh, with Lucy last night? Oh well, oh. she was beautiful. She was smart. She was talented. Uh, she paid for dinner, um, and I'm done with her. What? What? what why? Well, she poured malt vinegar on the fries. What kind of heathen is brought up to not ask first? I ask you, sir. <laughs> that is not who I want bearing my children. <laughs> uh, I was brought up better than that. <laughs> Were you raised in a barn? Speaking of deep pits. <laughs> so these deep pits dating back to the era and are located within the circle. They're known as the Aubrey Holes, which we went to high school with her after a dude named John Aubrey. And uh, he was a 17th century antiquarian, antiquarian, antiquarian. You know, he did some stuff with old stuff who discovered them. And he and others, they believe that they once held a ring of actual timber posts in the middle. I remember when the Druids used to bang on those posts while worshiping me. Right. Anyway, uh, it is fun to look at pictures of uh, the reimagining of what Stonehenge looked like when it was built, you know, because obviously a a 4,000 year old log wouldn't still be there. 4,000 year old rock is. Uh, So a lot of the rocks are missing and toppled over, like you said. Uh, it's cool to look at like the the drawings of what it like once looked it like. looked like this. Yeah, and it's just a radio yeah. shack. You're like shit, man. <laughs> they have been around <laughs> they really forever. Had their shit together. <laughs> so during the third phase of construction, which took place about 2000 BC, uh, sarsen sandstone slabs—that is a mouthful—were arranged into an outer crescent or ring. Some were assembled into the the three piece structures called trilithons that stand kind of tall in the center of Stonehenge. And then there's 50 sarsen stones are now still visible on the site, but researchers believe there were a lot more at one time. And scientists mm-hmm. speaking of, they, they radio carbon dated them and they suggest that the work continued to Stonehenge until roughly 1600 BC with the blue stones 
that we talked about those big ones in particular being repositioned multiple times. Feng Shui, baby. You know what I mean? You That's just- actually it's true. Feng Shui is, is probably why that happened. But it's it, that is one of the most intriguing parts of this after having done the research, this story to me is specifically the blue stones got moved around a lot. To the left. Little left. <laughs> Stop. You know what? We're we'll revisit this in a couple years. <laughs> that back to the right. Yeah. But seriously, like so it it begs the question, what were they for? You know, that they needed to move, but the other stones didn't necessarily need mm-hmm. to move. Did you know, I I mean it's probably the same civilization. I'm not a historian, but it's definitely What I if mean, we got hit by some giant asteroid and it shifted the Earth's axis and they had to reposition it because it no longer aligned with the solstices? Holy shit, I just cracked the code. Didn't really happen <laughs> and there'd be proof all over the planet, but that just makes a lot of sense when I say it. It just confident. it just tra- it tracks. It tracks. Um but it, it it really is interesting. Like, uh, I know I, I keep getting stuck on the civilization thing. A thousand years later is a long time. Yeah. What, what were things like here a thousand years ago? You know, I mean, we tend to group these things in ancient history, like as entire eras and like, oh, yeah, it was, you know, it was back then. Yeah. Well, like, that's no, because I live in a house a that's long super fucking time. old, John. Over 100 years old. You know, that's our <laughs> idea of ancient. Meanwhile, right. our fucking friends listening to this over the seas are driving around a castle right now bitching about it. Oh, God, fucking castles. You know, and shit. And they're like, oh, man, your house is over 100 years old. Shit. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> How do you guys even that, survive? That's funny. This bar has been here since the 1600s. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, there are some of those, like the oldest I know. I want to go. Remember, um, we were talking about sizes, to- though. Okay, and I, I I said, you know, they weighed like 25 tons. Well, that's on average. The heaviest one, 40 tons and 24 feet high. So 25 tons, that's, you know, the average. It's a lot littler than the largest one. And you talked about this. A lot of people think they were brought there with the help of sledges and ropes. Sledges being, you know, they lay the timbers down, they move them. Some think they may have been scattered. Uh, well, let me start this over. They came from a long way away because they can look at the stone and know where it came from. They think they might have been you know, scattered in the immediate vicinity when the monument's Neolithic architects first broke ground there. Kind of like, shit, there's big rocks here. We better make a hinge. What the hell's a hinge? I don't know. We can figure it out as we go. Now, why would those blue stones, though, be, be there? Because some of the smaller blue stones we mentioned, they came all the way from that other place in Wales, some 200 miles away from Stonehenge. So the big question everyone says is how? How would these these prehistoric builders haul these boulders that these ones weighed up to four tons over such a great distance. This is kind of cool. And and one of the original thoughts was that um, even though the, the, this bluestone originated in Wales, they know that at the end of the last ice age, big glaciers moved through and moved shit around. Right. And so the one of the um, one of the theories was that a glacier had basically drug those rocks into that valley or that field where the the henge is uh and you know they the the people that happened along are like hey we can just use these right they were there they were literally there that has since been somewhat um uh, proven false mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 common the common scientific I, I suppose nothing can be debunked or has has been debunked but um the common scientific belief nowadays is that that glaciers did not, in fact, bring the blue stones there. That that somebody else right. did. Right, there are ice flows all over this planet that move rocks all over 
the planet, like we said. And they right. they call them glacial erratics, and it's like you said, it's a possibility. But there's a lot of other stuff. We, we said the sledge and rollers, you know, tree trunks moving around. Put them on rafts and float them up the Welsh coast, and then up the River Avon towards the plain. Or you know, they had this fleet of vessels, or even some people had them uh, transporting them in giant wicker baskets or a combination of ball bearings and uh, I mean, or oxen or ghosts or fucking aliens. I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah. Coming from Wales, that, that's what you were talking about with the boats. So it has to, it has to cross uh, across the water. And if you take into account who the early Britons were and the technology they had available to them, the most likely way they would have done it across water specifically were um, like these big canoes that were essentially just hollowed out tree trunks. That's all they were. And that's what, that's what the, the most predominant boat of the time was. And so on that same documentary I was telling you about um, uh, naked science um, after they put their, their, their dingle away um, <laughs> and got into a dinghy, hey, hey, uh, they, they, they were literally strapped two of these, of these boats together, these, these, the, again, hollowed out tree trunks, strap them together, put a couple boards across the two and then throw that four ton bad boy on top and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, they actually proved out that they, that it's possible. There's it, it no certainly replacement for displacement. You can move a lot of shit with it, you know? Yep. That's right. There's lots of, of thoughts, but there's, it, it all comes down to one truth. We don't know. <laughs> Lots of educated guesses, but we don't know. Um, like you said, there's a pretty good guess that it didn't get thrown there by by glaciers, even though that's a fantastic way that it could have happened. There's just no proof of it. It, it would show in the topography around, and, and it doesn't. Right. Speaking of not knowing, though, experts are almost certain that the builders strategically placed the rocks to showcase the solstice twice a year. Talking about you know one of the reasons it's there. But with no writing of the era, even that's left to the imagination. But it's awesome to see. If you ever want to look up a picture, look up of what the solstice looks like uh, there when it hits it. It is Through Stonehenge, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And then we got Heather Sabir, Sabir, Sabir. Uh, she's an English Heritage Senior Curator at Stonehenge. She told uh, Time Magazine, I got this quote from there. We know that the stone circles do represent the line of the midsummer sunrise and the winter sunset, but I don't think that was the only reason it was built. Yeah, I don't think it was just like to come have a party twice a year, but I've partied for weirder reasons. It's true. (laughs) I've seen it. uh, That said, uh, the summer solstice lines up perfectly, like we said, and it's beautiful. Look it up. So who built it? Why? And why is it important? That's a big one. I think we're going to cover that and uh, just... We're going to answer it. It seems like a really big endeavor to just, you know, look at the solstices twice a year. Well, we're going <laughs> to give you all those answers, and you're going to leave not wanting baby birds. That's coming up next after the break <laughs> on Hysteria 51. Overpromise and underdeliver. That's the way we like it. That's my bread and butter. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
John, who built it? Lay it on me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Aliens. Tell me. Aliens. Tell me. Aliens. Tell me. Aliens. Aliens. You told me. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> All right. We'll break it down a little further. Play the, Let's play pretend, the exit music. We're done. Yeah, here we go. Pr- pretend it wasn't. Break it down a little further just in case. Well, let's pretend. Thought experiment. All right. All right. All right. Thought experiment. Uh, let's turn to our, let's, let's actually go to the history books here and, and see what that tells us. Merlin. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, it yes, does it, actually. Uh, yeah, uh, they do tell us that Merlin built her. At least one story does. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, built it is contested at best. <laughs> yeah. There, there have been some things that have, again, been debunked because of, of more modern radiocarbon dating, mm-hmm. um, like the Druids not doing it, but. There are a few groups that most people point towards. Mm-hmm. They um, they all seem to believe it was a place of great importance for over over a millennia. That's crazy. Like you're talking about, for one thousand years, people were gathering and doing shit there. That's a long time, right? That's a, you know. But the, you know, the question is, what drew the the early Britons to to this plain, to Salisbury Plain, and inspired them to continue? I suppose developing it. Um, a, th- that's the question that is that is still up for hot debate. Right, right, right. <laughs> I have a hot take on a five thousand year old <laughs> monolithic structure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, twelfth century writer Geoffrey of Monmouth, whose tale of King Arthur and the mythical account of English history were considered factual well into the Middle Ages. Did you know that that like King Arthur and all that was just considered canon, <laughs> and stonework is the wait, handiwork of the wait, men? Wait, are you saying that it's not? Well, they say that that it was made by Merlin. He really did say that, and he said in the mid fifth century, hundreds of British nobles were slaughtered by the Saxons and buried on Salisbury Plain, and hoping to wreck a memorial to the following subjects, King. Ambrosius sent an army to Ireland to retrieve a stone circle known as the Giant's Ring, which ancient giants had built from magical African blue stones. We all learned this in elementary school, so it's good on them. We know this is true so far. You remember the magical African blue stones. And sure, If you sure. wished on them, you got a big penis. The soldiers successfully defeated the Irish but failed to move the stones, so Merlin, having to do everything, used his sorcery to, to spirit them across the sea and arrange them on this giant mass grave. Boom, Stonehenge, that's how it was made. I'm making fun of it, but that's what people thought for a very long time. Boats, where we're going, we don't need <laughs> boats. Oh, and, and legend has it, Ambrosius and his brother Uther, King Arthur's father, were buried there as well. John, people believed that for a long time. They really did. Now we know that Merlin was evil and he fought dragons to the bitter end because we're educated. And so he wouldn't have done something nice like this. Yeah. yeah. No. The, also, Brent, the, the monument's construction actually predates Merlin, or at least the, the time period Merlin was supposedly to have supposed to have lived, mm-hmm. or, or the people that inspired the, the tale of Merlin actually lived. Uh, it's older than all of that, by like thousands of years. Maybe he is eternal like me. Maybe you're an asshole. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but maybe. We can pretend. Other folks have have uh, blamed the Saxons, the Danes, the Romans, the Greeks, the Egyptians. Pretty much every the Atlanteans, everyone that was around. It was a Stargate, you know. 
<laughs> uh, it, what I heard a lot comes from the 17th century archaeologist uh, we mentioned before, John Aubrey. Aubrey Holes. Mm-hmm. He made the claim that Stonehenge was the work of Celtic high priests known as, wait for it, Druids. That's where that comes from. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that Aubrey was the, yeah. the originator well, of that. People who identify as modern Druids, they gather at Stonehenge for the summer solstice. That's got to be some eyes wide Awkward shit, right shit. Where's my mask and my slave girl? Yeah, that was a man. That's a weird movie. Spoiler alert, yeah. though. In the mid 20th century, radiocarbon dating, that bastard, that bastard known as knowledge, uh, it demonstrated that Stonehenge stood more than a thousand years before the Celtics inhabited the region. So that kind of threw the Druids out of the running. So that's the stuff we've heard. That's the stuff that people believed. Let's get to a little bit of modern takes. What do modern people say, John? We're modern. So we, we were what talking we a little bit about this before, but most historians and archaeologists now agree that several distinct tribes of people contributed to Stonehenge, each taking on a different phase of its construction. Um, but they were all, we'll get into the specifics, but they were all just early Britons, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and they actually named a lot of the tribes. Um, well, back then they were called tribes. Or gangs, but there were the rogues, the warriors, the orphans, the baseball furies, the lizzies, hey, the punks, yeah, the boppers. And whenever they were wanting another uh, tribe to come out, they'd be like, warriors, come out to play. Yay. And then they do sacrifices and things like that. They did a whole movie about it in the 70s. It was a docudrama. Now, I, you know, the thing is. Me and and all of the listeners knew where you were going with it, like, like nobody was fooled. This wasn't one of those. I'm not following. Oh, he pulled the rug out from under me. We knew. Uh-huh. We were just hoping you would you would you would avoid the four car collision, and you didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, 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 warriors aside, um, you were more of a baseball have, fury, uh, weren't you? Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> So, uh, warriors aside, the point is it was built in phases by different groups or tribes, but all early Britons. Uh, they found bones, they found tools, they found other artifacts on the site that support the hypothesis. The first stage was achieved by Neolithic agrarians who were likely indigenous to the British Isles. As I said, early Britons. Later, it is believed that groups with more, more advanced tools and a bit more of a communal way of life um, you know, set their put their uh, their stamp on the site. Yeah. Some have suggested that they that the folks doing this were immigrants from the European continent, but many scientists think that they were actually native. Most scientists believe that they were actually native Britons descended from the original builders. Yeah. Well, pretty much what we're saying is no one really agrees for sure. <laughs> the, 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 here's, here's kind of the headline. Your takeaway from mostly... all of that is John used to be a roadie for Neolithic agrarians, so that's that's your big <laughs> takeaway. Tell you no, 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 no. I wrote their I, I wrote their first song. I was a roadie for Lemon Scented Weekend. <laughs> Get it right. Uh, all right. So the, I, I think the headline, it's it's at least forty five hundred, if not five thousand years old. And the folks that built it were likely the early Britons, the the first uh, the, the first Britons of the modern era out of the Ice Age and into the Bronze Which, Age. As That's we all it. know, were crash landed aliens period full yes, stop yes thank you they were Fair the enough. descendants of the atlantean race they were put here to mine this planet 
tell the the monkey people planet us, X comes back around uh rose up and took it back from them you know damn homo sapiens and uh yeah so they they made they made do they made do they made a big old block you know and and uh, you know that's the way it goes why should we care well that's important john forget about the aliens because they've forgotten about us why should we care? Well, it's it's a massive undertaking. I mean, even if somebody wanted to do this today, it's not something that could be done overnight. Um, and and yet it happened in a time when, now, admittedly, we don't know a ton about the time, yeah. but we know that tools were scarce and handmade and the wheel is believed to not even have existed. It's interesting you say that. It's funny because I watch a lot of these shows where they'll look at it and they'll go, we don't even have the technology to do it now. And finally, I forget what it was. They had a guy on there. He goes, we don't. We have the machinery that we could build to do it. We just don't have it. That's why it's such an undertaking is you have to go out. Every new job, you want to build a car, you got to go make the machinery that's going to build this new line of right. cars. That's why it's such an undertaking. Just because we don't have the machine to lift a 40-ton block and ram it into the ground right now doesn't mean we couldn't. We just don't. And people grab onto that and go, it's impossible. That's why I love engineers so much. You know, somebody will say it's impossible. Well, fuck it is. Yeah. And then you, know, you see a bunch of guys in wide brim hats and khakis standing around in a field for three days. And all of a sudden they've got Stonehenge constructed. Right. And the engineers are the one that come with it. And then the motherfuckers that got to move it every three and a half months when someone gets antsy gets mad at the engineers because they didn't put any, you know, they put the shit to move it on the top instead of the bottom. And then they got to fucking fix it. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. Order of operations was never a strong suit. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned this, like you said, there's a lot of archaeological evidence that Stonehenge was used as a burial site. So it should be preserved and protected and remembered because no matter what it was there. And that was at least part of its long history. But most scholars believed it served a lot of other functions as well. Like you said, it's there for a thousand years. It was, a you know, Seabot's multi-purpose room, whatever the fuck he was making up earlier when he said that. His war room. Uh, either that, or there's a, a ceremonial site, a religious pilgrimage destination, even today, like we said with the Druids, final resting place for royalty, uh, or a memorial erected to honor, perhaps spiritually connect with the ancestors, and they did that in the solstices. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. Alien landing pad slash sacrificial altar to the Dark Ancient Ones. That's a given, but it had so many other purposes as well. Well, and not only that, but... When you say what was its purpose, you're asking multiple groups like the originators, the, the, the folks that started it might have had one purpose. Maybe they they just wanted the subjugation to, of mankind for fuel and uh, and food. Yes, Those that's exactly the aliens, what it meant. Maybe they just wanted to honor their gods at the time yeah. and they aligned it to the solstice. OK, great. And then the next group's like, hey, these are some pretty cool rocks. Let's add to it and bury a bunch of our kings here. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, it, it didn't need to be the same flavor for every group. Uh, they, they, it, when, when you're talking about things that are epic in scale, right? Like so Stonehenge, uh, the, Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian pyramids. When you're talking about things that are epic in scale, they can mean different things to different folks who come along and utilize them. Right. Yes, you're exactly right. And that's what's great about it. And it's also important to remember, and we're, we're talking about why it's important, it's fucking famous. It's one of the most recognizable sites in the world. I mean, that in and of itself, it's one of the wonders of the world. It draws more than 800,000 tourists a year, not counting 2020, I'm sure. Though, 
Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, yeah, that's the number might not have changed much in 2020. Yeah, sadly <laughs> enough, right? Yeah, it, it, it draws a lot of people there. It's important for their economy, and it's important for us to to be able to look at things and still have that kind of childish wonder because we had that. That's what we were talking about. This this wonder gives you, and you go, I don't know, and I'd like to think it was this or that, and uh, I even think that a lot of the reason that the druid thing kind of caught on is because they're so you guys in robes chanting and stuff and not in a weird bathhouse sense like out in the field you know so it's not real weird uh that's why it works that's why it worked for well, us and and I, I i also think that whenever you have something this ancient as a as a society that has built so many things that that fall apart very quickly um you, whenever you have something this ancient you try to protect it and you try to understand it and learn from it you know um, and, and we don't have a ton of stuff this old that we can learn from, but the confluence of that with modern day technology is really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about, think about the, the progress that has been made just since we were kids on understanding Stonehenge and as technology progresses, what we'll even understand 50 years mm-hmm. from now about it. Um, uh, I, that's the exciting part about the, the, the times we live in Brent. The times they are a changing. Yeah. Uh, speaking about understanding and protecting the ancient things, Seabot, uh, you got any any final thoughts on Stonehenge? It's overrated and frankly a bore. That's why I abandoned it a couple years after I made it. That makes sense. That's actually right on brand with him. You know what we should do? We should get Seabot outside and we should just tip a, it doesn't even have to be a four-ton boulder. We should tip like a, a one-ton boulder his way. And, you know, if, if he's such a badass, he'll just catch it and, you know, go put it where it needs to be. Sure thing. And while I'm putting things where they need to be, why don't you come on over here, John? I have my hang low out. <laughs> I'm okay with him showing you what he wants to do with this hang low, John. This will be a fun experiment. I am just glad we are still remote. <laughs> so that, kids, has been uh, Stonehenge, a short little jaunt down the British uh, rocky road there of Stonehenge. What do you guys think? What are your memories of it? What did you, did you have the same like little, ooh, uh, what is the word you always go woo-woo or uh, what is it? Woo-woo. Yeah, the woo-woo look. <laughs> woo-woo. The woo-woo look at it like we did when we were younger. Where can they tell us about it, John? On Facebook, in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation, you will find discussions about this. You will find discussions about other large rocks, <laughs> other large, uh, other large rocks. Um, uh, yeah, and 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 most importantly, memes. You'll find a lot of memes that you will go to Facebook.com and search Hysteria Nation. Also, go to Facebook.com/slash Hysteria Fifty One Pod. That is our Facebook page. Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Hysteria Fifty One. You get radio dramas and up all nights and Mad Blurry Hysteria's just released one where we're talking about not only are we talking the uh, craziness of the stock market, Oklahoma wants to put in a, a, a Bigfoot hunting season. How about that? Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so we got that coming on there. Voicemail, 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. We got a few to play this week. Holy shit, we're banging on all cylinders. Fellas, just finished the hum episode. Gotta say, there was not enough crash test dummies in there. I <laughs> feel like producer Ray should have had some more dynamic drop-ins. But I was on a job site the other day after starting this episode, 
and I was hearing a hum. Turns out it was a faulty amplifier for a subwoofer, but <laughs> holy crap, guys. <laughs> you had me. <laughs> Shit, they got me. <laughs> I don't know how. Brent, still a dirty pigeon. Gophopedia for the win. Seabot, you suck. And three, two. <laughs> hey, you remember to count. There you go. Hell yeah. Good job. Oh, man, that would be weird when you hear it, and then all of a sudden, you're, mm, like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. <laughs> they got me. And you can never have too much uh, crash test crash test dummies, so I agree. That's I true. Agree. That's true. All right. Next voicemail, Brent. All right. Hey, guys. It's uh, Shadow from Canada. Woo. I love your guys' show. I have a uh, second-time caller, actually. Uh, this is the Strange Brew Podcast. Uh, we're kind of like the same, but we're a little Canadian version. I was wondering, I just got on iHeartRadio, and I was wondering how I could get advertisement to even shout you guys out, because I noticed that you guys um, kind of shout out and do advertisement for other podcasts, and I would love to do that on my own for you guys. So I'm just wondering if I could do that, and tell Seabot to take it easy on the Canadians, okay? He needs to take it easy on us Canadians. We're pretty crazy ourselves. We might fucking be coming after him if he doesn't come after us first, but I'm sure he'll be up here soon. Thanks for the shout-out, dudes. I appreciate it. I will keep listening. Tell your listeners that, you know, keep it going because you guys are great. Like, you know what I mean? You fucking Canadian. No. <laughs> so, to answer his question, that's... Yeah, you call and leave a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you get a shout-out. There you go. That works. <laughs> All right, next no, voicemail. It's a good show. Strange Brew is fun. Yeah, hi. This is Gabriel Velasquez here, and I was wondering if, if your next show... You can make up the king of the monsters, Godzilla. I would really appreciate that. Can you do that? Good for me? timing. Hey, Z Bus. <laughs> I think so. Was that his mom prompting? Yeah, ever- That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, there's there. It's something I I tell people all the time. If nothing else, Hysteria Fifty One is a family. There affair. you go. Yeah, so. This was a perfectly timed one. People are losing their shit that, like, Godzilla and Kong are getting ready to fight. And people are, like, so anti-Kong. Where did that come from? And I don't know that they know this, but it's not the same Kong from, like, the movies that have nothing to do with this. He is the same size as Godzilla in these. They're mad about the size, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying, I have not done enough research, but... It's the same Kong from Skull Island. So he was a little boy there. Now, if you watch the video, they're the same size. You could go back to that movie and track whether you think it's right or not. But if you had a problem with it now, you should have had a problem with it. Well, then he was small. He was adolescent. He was a child. And his parents, their skeletons dwarfed him. Um, ah, do they, do they, do they, um, so in the new one, he's through the fact that he's a child. They talked about, he was a child. He, they said, he's just, he's just a little kid, you know? And so he's, he's growing. I was drunk on a plane when I watched that. So I, yeah. You know. And so in this one, <laughs> and then they, in the previews, he's just as big as literally the, they're the same fucking. System. Yeah, no, I've seen, I've seen that. And he goes to punch him. Yeah, and, yeah. It's a um, fun. And I want to show you something. I want to tell you something. So Godzilla is the king of the monsters. And he's fighting Kong. Kong's got to become King Kong somehow. I'm just saying. Oh. I'm just saying. 
Now, of course, okay. they're going to team up. Right. It, it, well, I don't want to give it away, but you, if you watch the trailer and the breakdowns, you know what's going on. Pretty. They're well. going. They're going to fight the other. Um, it's going to be Mecha Godzilla. Uh, That's who they're fighting. Uh, is it? Yeah. It's so they're. Oh, I thought they were fighting the other um, um, uh, Titans. No, they're going to be fighting. Well, he's going to be fighting him because you're going to find out. I imagine that the um, the Orca is making him, you know, attack people and stuff like that. Probably Godzilla. Right. Uh, but, um, there is the first one, Godzilla in the first little scene, he's got like lights and shit all over him. So, you know, that's Mecha Godzilla. And then there's like mm. two scenes where there's a, a, an Asian gentleman like yelling and talking. He's in front of the diagnostics readout for Mecha Godzilla on the wall and stuff like it's all. Oh, blinking. wow. So at least it's going to be referenced in there. And I bet that's who they team up to beat or fight. And I love that Kong's got an ax with one of, uh, He's made an axe out of a giant bone and one of Godzilla's back plates. <laughs> like just rip that motherfucker off, and when he's breathing onto it, it like charges they, up. I could have sworn I saw a preview where they were also fighting like one of the I don't know if it was Mothra or another Titan. Um, Not in this, and that was the last one. Not, or, I mean, I haven't seen that uh, the, together. They've only shown them fighting one. Uh, well, they show Kong fighting a couple other ones like on his island and shit like that. Like a couple monsters, yeah. but um, yeah, who knows? Or maybe there might even be. Well, another... either way, it's exciting. Yeah. I I agree with you. Like, calm down, everybody. Let's just go enjoy a good movie. It's so funny, like or this movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim was a terrible movie, and I loved every minute of it. You know, yeah, just exactly. turn your fucking exactly. brain off every once in a while. Calm down, right? Uh, except for you found out. I just found out. Uh, Kong is a QAnon supporter, so son of a bitch. Now we can't even enjoy it. <laughs> I'm out. I'm, a- I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Take away his YouTube. Uh, All right, hey, let's listen to one more voicemail. Hey, Brent, John, and Seabot. Um, I'm Jessica from Sarasota. I've been binging on Hysteria 51 for some indeterminate amount of time now, and uh, recently decided to sneak a call in <laughs> with my problem. You see, I've given birth to six children, all of whom were time-traveling indigo alien embryos, who were the result of Project MK Ultra 1969. Mm-hmm. Mm. Men in black have shown up with the grace six times to implant mm-hmm. these embryos in me. So now I'm raising six psychic time-traveling aliens who eat me out of house and home and talk constantly to the ghosts about their past lives and tell me I'm going to end up in a backpack dead. Um, that that actually came from my two-year-old about a week ago. Oh, that's a uh, The kids are going to know that I called, but maybe one of you can save me before they get mad. Um, my address is nine. Oh, well. <laughs> Here, when you got indigo psychic alien babies, you just do whatever they tell you and until they can overcome their human form and it's no longer confining to them. And then you ain't got anything to worry about. She should actually feel blessed and a little humbled that the aliens left the embryos inside of her to full term. Yeah, usually they come and scoop those out. and They come scoop those out, right. And um, it looks just it like just your a... uncle, as we've talked about on this show many, many, many times. It's the weirdest, <laughs> damnedest thing. She's very lucky. Very, very, very lucky. Oh, you just went down a path. It went you down went, a I don't path, know if but I unfortunately, uh, MUFON shoved down my throat and my wife's throat, so I'm going to shove it down everyone's throat. Now I'm sounding like one of those uncles slash aliens. Okay, now I'm scared. Now I'm scared. I've to. I've got to go. All right, kids. That's been our thoughts on indigo aliens building the Stonehenge. <laughs> With that said, I've been Brent. I've been an indigo baby. He's been conspiracy bot. Stay woke, meat sacks. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria Fifty One. 
John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.